All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Uh, welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. And Andrew, I'm your number one fan. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm really your number one fan. I love all of the novels you've written. In fact, so much so that um, I could take a sledgehammer to your knee if you want. Fuck you. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Dan, and this is my co-host, Andrew. And we are two friends who met over teaching in South Korea. And we bonded over a shared love of horror movies. And we both live on the East Coast right now in opposite cities. But we still get together to discuss uh, weekly these horror movies that we've been seeing. And we try and change it up a little bit, going from parody to slasher to sci-fi to all of that stuff right there. But for the most part, it's just kind of us and kind of our way to bond over our love for horror movies. So, Andrew. Yes. How's life been for you? Uh, it's been, been pretty good. I, I just had my, this has been a week of vacation for me. Um, off of school, so I've been what? Uh, living what? Life. Yeah, what? it's not spring break for you. It's February it? break, which I didn't know oh. existed, but it does, and it's the best break. Uh, I hate you. It, well, I hate you so much. Well, then we have like now we have like two like a month and a half of no no, no days off or anything, which kind of sucks. Uh, oh God. But, yeah. No. Um, the last day off we had was a three day weekend on the twenty eighth, I believe it was, um, and then I had my little Korea trip right there. But yeah, we don't have spring break until. Mid April. Oh yeah, that, at this that's time. April vacation. That's a completely different thing. Yeah, no, we don't have a single day off until spring break in April, oh. and because here in Charlotte we had a whole bunch of hurricane dates, we got slammed by Hurricane Michael, and we also got slammed by Hurricane Florence as well, and we had like seven days off oh. of school in the fall, and I kept thinking to myself, "Oh man, this is going to come to bite us in the ass," and it did. <laughs> So yeah, that's that. I've got about six or seven weeks now, just solid teaching all the way through, and that'll be that, but we'll power through. We'll get through it. Yeah. Do you you guys have, like, your standardized testing coming up, or is that what you're doing right now? Uh, That was mostly in January. We finished up all the standardized tests that we have in January. There's going to be one more at the end of the year that all kind of just comes in waves. We've got about three or four, depending on who you're asking, standardized tests here in North Carolina that we all have to kind of go and get the kids on and it was kind of um (laughs) funny because i got a new student um in the middle of january uh he is from um atreya in africa and he speaks very very little english and it was i felt so bad for him because it was just like hey welcome to the fourth grade here's all these tests you have to take (laughs) don't worry if you can't understand them we need it for a baseline i'm like Poor kid. Poor guy. But he's a trooper. I like him. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, life's been good. One of my good friends just had his first baby, and I went and saw this week old kid today, and I got to hold the baby, and I kept saying to myself, don't drop the baby, don't drop the baby, don't drop the baby, because that would be like a huge bummer. Yeah, that and would be. I really, yeah. Did you, yeah, did you drop it? No, I did not drop him, but it's kind of like when you were standing on the edge of a cliff and you're just like, oh, God, don't fall over, don't fall over, don't fall over. It's just like I was hyper-attentive. Oh, so, yeah. But that's just me not being used to babies. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's, yep. That's probably what I do, too. I'm not going to lie. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. Yeah. All right. 
So that's about it. Uh, not much else going on in that aspect right there. Anything else going on in your life, Andrew? Uh, not really. Oh, I did, um, so I've been doing CrossFit lately, and uh-huh. this week, because I had the time off, every day I would go wake up in the morning around like five or six and go use an elliptical for six miles and then run for six miles, and then I would do CrossFit and, at night, and that was like a really kind of fun thing to do. Like, I, I was kind of like a nice reset. I kind of been like, my gym schedule been being messed up, so that was nice. Um, and yesterday we did something called the CrossFit Open, which is where you kind of have to like compete to do a certain amount of exercises and stuff. Um, and I finally learned that I've apparently been doing one exercise completely wrong. Uh, it's called a wall ball where you have to throw a 15 pound ball or 20 pound ball up in the air at 10 feet and hit the spot and then catch it. And then when you catch it, do a squat and then stand back up again and throw it again. Um, and we have to do 19 of those in a row and then row for 19 calories and then 19 of those. Then nine, and like basically you have 15 minutes to do as many as you can. Um, and apparently I, you're supposed to use both your hands and like squat down and push them, push the ball up with both your hands, you know, to get like the most effort and whatnot out of it. Um, but I shoot it like a basketball, um, which is the exact opposite way you're supposed to be doing it because then my left mm-hmm. arm's doing everything. And I also <laughs> catch it with my left hand. So uh-huh. at the end of every time we do these in the past, my left arm always killed my shoulder just like hurts so much. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I can't lift anything anymore. And now I know why, because one of the other guys who's competing was watching me. I was like, wow, you're doing this completely wrong. <laughs> and we're like, what? So, uh-huh. but, no, it's nice, though, because like, I, I always liked it when gym bros would come on over and correct my form when I was squatting or deadlifting or something like that. Because it was just like, yeah, we're in this together. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like it. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't want to hurt my yeah. shoulder every time I do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say something about that. No, I remember, do you do squats as part of your, or not squats, uh, burpees as part of oh, your yeah. training regimen? That was my favorite thing to do. So I... Last fall and hopefully this spring, I taught at my school a fitness group for fourth and fifth grade boys. And my favorite part, my, my, my secret, secret pleasure is getting all the kids who were just difficult throughout the day and getting all drill sergeants on them and having them do burpees while blowing my whistle every single time. Good. That that made it worth it. That made it worth it. I mean, it's a wonderful program that teaches kids how to change their chase their dreams and how to think for themselves and how to, you know, be leaders and teammates and everything like that. But it's also me forcing them into do burpees, and it's yeah. wonderful. Do you ever do up-downs? <laughs> up-downs, yep. Dude, I love up-downs. Up-downs, too. Oh, man, I miss it. Yeah, dude, this got start up again in the spring. Good. Uh, you should you uh-huh. should watch Remember the Titans a lot and steal as many Coach Boone co- quotes as you can. Oh yeah, no, I get with usually uh, either Rocky quotes or Coach Taylor quotes from Friday Night Lights. Oh. So, well, but Coach yeah. Boone's so much better. You can you can quote the Gettysburg Address uh, speech they give every time you go to visit uh, Gettysburg National Park, wherever that is. <laughs> Apparently, they they actually just lifted that out of the movie. Like the big moving speech that Coach Boone gives is the same one that they give at, like when you go on tours. <laughs> Like I should just give that same speech every single day, and the kids always say, "I'm like, uh, Mr. C, we uh, we heard that one last time you said it. You you said it twice this week, and we're going to hear it again. And then we're going to go with the speech from Rocky Balboa, where we talks about how it's not about how hard uh, you get hit; it's about how hard you get hit and keep going. Yeah. That's 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 my drill sergeant voice right there. Oh, that's um. your drill sergeant voice, man. It's not really intimidating. <laughs> no, I really should work Wait, on that. Speaking of which, have you seen Creed too? Yes. Is it amazing? Because Creed 1 was awesome. Creed 2 is pretty good, too. It's a little bit more on the cheese, which is good. I'm okay with that. Because Ivan Drago's son is in there. Oh, yeah. And it's wonderful. So I guess that could be one of our bonus episodes. I don't know. Is is that a horror movie in some way? You know, it's a horror movie about Russian collusion. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, that's it's very scary in today's day and age. Right? Cool. Alrighty. So... 
today's movie. Let's go ahead and get this started. All right. Dude. Bro. Party. Massacre. Three. Got it in one. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little bit of history uh, behind how I heard of this film. Because I think I introduced it to you, right? Yeah, you showed it to me in Korea. Yeah. Um, there is a YouTube comedy troupe called Five Second Films. And they're... They're defunct now. They, they, they occasionally post stuff here and there, but they're nowhere near the schedule they once were. But what their motto was, wasting your time, but not very much. <laughs> uh, once a day, Monday through Friday, they would always post literally a five-second film. It usually just sets up something, gives a punchline, and it gets the hell out of there. And it was wonderful. They're, I mean, they're sticking a lot of jokes to the wall, and not all of them stuck. Some of them really, really landed home, though, and... I would always, I actually, after I watched this movie, I went on YouTube and I went through like a half hour compilation run of just all of their five second films that they've done. And it was amazing. Um, some really, really talented guys. Uh, the people who started making them, I'm going to pull this up right now. Do, 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 do. Uh, Brian Fresney and Joey Bertan were the two people that conceived it. Actually, I think it's just primarily Brian. And they've been, it's been running since 2005, and it finally ended in about 2014, 2013, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah 2013. Um, and then they just kind of stopped that because most of the cast honestly moved on to bigger and better things. But as a little bit of their swan song, they decided to launch a Kickstarter for a parody slasher film based on one of these five-second films, which is called... Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, which is the movie we will be talking about today. So, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. There are no... The, the, the two films, there are no two films before it. This is the standalone film. But it's presented in framing as a lost film that was banned in the 80s, um, telling the story of this mass killer named Motherface, who targets specifically fraternity brothers specifically the frat bros of Delta Bi. Um, and the framing device is, there was a VCR that someone recorded late night, so as you're watching this, sometimes it interjects with the commercials, little bits here and there, especially at the beginning and the ending as well. And they complete, they reference the first two movies that never existed numerous times over and over again. But that's basically the premise. It's a comedy slasher that parodies the genre, and which in which the victims are frat bros. And it is wonderful. So, are you ready to get started about discussing this movie? Yeah. Or is there anything else you want to add to that? No, that was a apt description. I like it. Okay, cool. Alrighty, so we open up this movie right here with a slow-mo rager pool party with the <laughs> bros saying the title of the movie. Dude, bro, party, massacre, three. And then the therapist joins in and says, three. So, we're introduced to our first character, which is Brock, played by doo -doo 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 -doo, uh, Alec Owen, who is one of the uh, alumni of Five Second Films. And he plays two roles in this movie. We're going to get to the other character later. But Brock is right there, and he's talking and kind of summarizes the events of the first two lost movies, or in this movie's universe, the first two times they were attacked by this serial killer named Motherface. <laughs> and this is... One of the things I absolutely love about this movie, and this is something we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, is the dialogue in this movie is 
It's got that airplane slash naked gun style of rapid style humor, blink and you miss it. And every time you go back, you notice something new. Um, the jokes are just coming. There's rapid fire. There's so many, so quick, so fast. Yeah. Um, but we start off with our first joke, which is the first massacre um, was a panty raid that gone wrong in which they accidentally burned down a sorority, creating the killer mother face. But remember the, the and, reason why she died is because no one taught her how to open doors, so she couldn't get no out. <laughs> yeah, no one taught her how to open doors, so she couldn't get out. And uh, so she, horribly disfigured and scarred, decides to take revenge on these frat bows. And we just get this montage of all these amazing kills uh, back and forth. Like, one of them, there was uh, someone making juice, and then he, Motherface comes on over, sticks her hand on the back of his head and just slams it down into the juicer. Another guy, he's getting head from this other girl. Motherface goes on in under the bed, takes a harpoon and just shoots it up through her head, and it's... Ugh. We also get a cameo from Larry King. Oh, yeah. The coach. <laughs> which is the most random five second thing ever uh larry keen plays this character named coach hansy who's in the locker room and he says come on bros you gotta dress up and then he gets stabbed with a harpoon and he's like good throw yes <laughs> i think that then brent's like i think no not brent uh brock says like was, was she on our side <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh there's another one too one of my favorite kills is a bro is puking in the toilet and he's like could you hold my hair back bro and then Motherface comes on in and slits his throat uh and then the blood like meshes down with all of the vomit in the toilets and <laughs> it really it sets the tone of the movie it's it's violence it's extremely gory but it is in such a humorous way <laughs> well so like one of them just to kind of show the overtopness one of them like while they're doing this montage you see somebody like fixing a rubik's cube and at the end, the Rubik's Cube is, was, like, almost complete, and his head just blows up randomly. So, like, <laughs> you, you know, it's not, like, you can tell they're just going over the top, just being ridiculous. Yeah. They they they, they embrace the cheese. They embrace, uh, they, they know what they're making. And the framing device, I mean, the whole movie is basically 80s VHS quality, too, which is wonderful. There's the tracking you can see, and... All that stuff right there. So, very first one, uh, Motherface is killed in the first movie. And how does she die in the first one? Uh, she dies by chainsaw. burning in the second one. Chainsaw, yeah, that's right. They chainsaw her. His friend chainsaw. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And they do fine. So then they're holding a R.I.P. Motherface Rager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Motherface's sister, daughter, daughter. comes back. Daughter comes back. Um, and... <laughs> electrocutes a whole bunch of the frat boys <laughs> during a uh, streak year uh, when, when they're going streaking and Brock as he's talking to his therapist has one of the my favorite lines in the entire movie I couldn't go streaking because I got pink eye. that <laughs> fart on my face saved my life <laughs> um, so we get a couple more montages of kills back and forth as Motherface's daughter is coming around just killing everyone back and forth at this point Brock mentions that he has a twin brother, and the therapist seems to take special note of that one right there. But eventually, um, they triumph over Motherface again and light her on fire, mm -hmm. and Brock says, but somehow that look in her eyes told me this wasn't over. <laughs> and that's the opening scene right there. The therapist gets on up and then starts talking about therapist things back and forth and then she takes a pair of scissors 
and slits Brock's th- throat open, and we get to our opening titles card, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. So, what was your impression of this movie at this point? At this point, I just had no idea what was going on, I think, when we first watched it. Like, mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I was kind of baffled. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just, there's so much that happens in that very first scene. Mm-hmm. And really, the roots of this five-second films group does shine in during this part. Because I really do think they probably just sat around and just shotgunned a whole bunch of ideas, and they decided, which one, what should we do? And they decided, you know what? We're going to go ahead and do all of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what five-second films is, that very opening five minutes or so. We, we don't really have any sort of framing device besides Brock and his therapist. And it's rapid, it's confusing, but it really sets the tone of the film. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the good thing about it, is like for a movie like this, they kind of had to let you know what this was about before they even did anything. Mm-hmm. I think that was yeah. a really smart yeah, so, move to open it that way. Yeah, so if anyone still had kids in the room, then they can, you know, move them on out. Yeah. <laughs> so. like, or just like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to follow this movie as well, otherwise I'd be really confused as to like what the tone of it was if it just opened uh, with the next scene. I'd be kind of mm-hmm. not sure what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the next scene does come on over, and we're introduced to our main character, which is Brent, Brock's twin brother. And Brent, he likes to skateboard. There's this random gay couple sunbathing and rubbing lotion on each other on Speedos <laughs> on a college campus. Um, and then they set it up in an amazing way of just saying, hey, Brock, watch where you're going. No, that's Brent. That's his twin brother. <laughs> and... We go ahead, and Brent runs into another character, Nerdy Head Cheese, or Nedry Head Cheese, mm-hmm. um, who is in a wheelchair. And they kind of crash into each other, and both the skateboard and the wheelchair just go absolutely flying. And at this point, we kind of realize Brent's motivation. He doesn't want to join a fraternity, but he is obsessed with finding his brother's killer. And he wants to know exactly what happens. And he is willing to join the fraternity to find that out. So, we head on over to the Delta Bi, which was Brock's former <laughs> um, former fraternity. And there's a big banner outside that says, R.I.P. <laughs> Brock Party. <laughs> and everyone's just having a rager, drinking, smash drunk. And we get our first celebrity cameo i would say uh well besides larry kane uh greg sestro oh yeah testosterone uh-huh yeah sestro is that how i said yeah it's, i think it's greg sestero but everyone but like when you watch uh the room you're supposed to yell out testosterone every time he appears <laughs> which i did the first time i think we saw this so <laughs> yeah he's yeah greg testosterone is um one of the actors from the famously bad movie the room and he is in this as well and he's actually got a pretty big role during the first half of the movie yeah um so he kind of talks to he plays a character named derek and they go back and forth um talking a little bit about how brent wants to join the fraternity but he keeps it secret that he really really wants to join for brent Mm -hmm. Um, to figure or figure out what happened to Brock right there. So Greg's kind of showing, or Derek's kind of showing him the ropes going back and forth, and we're introduced to our other characters of Delta Phi. We're introduced to Spike, who is asleep on the couch, who parties harder than anyone else. <laughs> um, he's a big party rager. Uh, there is Sizzler, who is the pledge, um, and everyone just beats the crap out of him and abuses him all the time. He is a vegetarian, which comes into play later. And then we've got Samzy, who 
stares at Brent and go and then before Derek goes, No, 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 no. This is Brent, Brock's twin brother. Oh so we get the impression that there's more to Samsey than Let's On. Well and, and we and what we see with Samsey is he's the um he's he's the guy who kills Motherface the first time with Brock. So mm-hmm. like that they have kind of like a uh, a relationship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's got some PTSD from that as well. That comes into a little bit of play later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they he 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 got close to Brock, and there's this elements of homoeroticism that's kind of played out for jokes at this point. But uh, that's that. So that's Samsy, and then we've also got Todd, who is the <laughs> I really love this character because it just does such a flip. He is a pre med student. He is one of the better pre-med, or one of the more academic members of this Delta Bi frat, and he's dating this girl named Samantha. <laughs> now, Todd is a virgin, and he's extremely scared of kids. Samantha, played by Kelsey Gunn, is really, really wants that kid. She wants that Delta Bi seed in her. And <laughs> again, this movie is filled with so many rapid line dialogue stuff that I just I did not catch the first time that I did the second or third or fourth time around um, and with her we kind of get to know that she has a gender issue because her dad really really wanted a boy and she really wants to join Dental 5 but she can't because she's a girl so she kind of hands around bakes them all cookies she's wearing a shirt that says I'm a Delta Bi girl <laughs> um, <laughs> and all of that right there and then we meet our last member of the frats, uh, which is Turbo. And but you notice his name is spelled like I think it's like T E R B O U X, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Yeah. But Turbo is kind of the badass of the group. He goes on up, and the very first thing we see, he starts talking to Brent's um, and says, "Oh, you think you got what it takes to be a Delta a Delta Phi pledge? Going, yeah." And he gets Sizzler in there, and he withdraws a paddle from his back. And I love this because it's the same sword sheath sound that comes off every single time in the movie. It's like four or five or six times. Oh, it's great. And then we learned his character flaw that he's scared of dogs. He is terrified of dogs. Specifically puppies. Specifically. Yes, puppies. specifically puppies. And once again at this point, there's a lot of characters introduced. There's a lot of rapid-fire jokes here and there. Um, but that's how it is. Yeah, well, actually, it's, it's also like, isn't there also like CJ, the camera guy? Oh, yeah, we got CJ, the camera guy. I honestly don't remember too much about him besides he's, he's, he's a camera guy. Yeah. Basically, uh-huh. that's all we yeah. <laughs> He films everything, and he's got a great death later on, but that's that. Um, so Brent and Nedry have their first assignment for this frats, and they are to knock out the college radio station and... <laughs> Or not not knock out the college radio station, but to hijack the airwaves on the college radio station and to say that the dean eats farts. Um, so there you go. They've got 40s strapped to their hands or taped to their hands, and they misplace the... Or they, they confuse the air traffic control tower at the nearby airport with the college radio station, which ends up crashing two planes above an orphanage, 250 people dead. And it's played as a joke. <laughs> um, to set the set tone of this movie right there. Like, they exaggerate the hell out of a lot of things. And it's, it's yeah, that's the, that's the tone they're going for. So we're taken into the dean's office at this point. 
and the dean goes, listen, you killed 250 people and an orphanage and you crashed two planes and you also drowned an entire town as a senior prank. <laughs> that Did they blow up a dam or something like yeah, that? Yeah, How did that town I, I get flooded? Blow up a dam, yeah. Yeah, they blowed up a dam as like a college or senior prank and they flooded an entire town. But the paddle boat business is booming. <laughs> Uh, and they cre- they and one of my favorite place, lines, but New Lake City. I'm sorry. They created New Lake City. Yeah, that's right. They created a New Lake City. Um, and the dean uh, goes, "You kill 250 people, and I do not eat farts." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fun fact about this dean right there: uh, she's actually played by Nina Hartley, who is a pornographic actress. Oh, yeah. I don't have too much more to say about that, but I was just like, wait a second, that name seems familiar. Oh, yeah, I've seen her crop up on Reddit every now and then. Sure, on yeah. Reddit, that's where you see her, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly you know, on Pornhub too, but mostly Reddit. <laughs> no, I, I think only include in that one point in that scene, they talk about like how their freshman year prank, they had opposed a Central American dictator. and it comes back later too like that is one thing the script is amazing at is you've got these throwaway jokes that just seem nonsensical and so dumb but they come back later on and it's just oh the payoff's pretty good (laughs) so there's there's another another great line during that because she's like well because you guys only um you know you also did that the the dictator i'm only going to suspend you and uh who's the guy who who, who's the partier who's the party animal uh spike spike's like Oh, during Greek week? How could you? And like, man, that's like Easter for men. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dean Nina Hartley uh, suspends the Delta Vi for a week during Greek week. And Spike is just super distressed about that. But they're forced to have Greek week in the old sorority house by the old lake near the uh, town they flooded. Um and Brent, at this point, kind of is positive about it. He says, come on, guys, this could be some sort of dude bro party <laughs> out in the woods. Because <laughs> uh, well, he's seeing, at that point, he just saw, I think he saw, like, a, an image of his brother. Like, he's seeing Brock's ghost kind of appear to him. And his, his yeah. brother's like, go, bro. Yeah, guiding on over there. So they do, and we have our setup for the movie. We have these bros who are having this rager in the old cabin um, out in the woods, and we have our setup for our thing. And at this point, we're introduced to the B-plot as well. Uh, Dean Nina Hartley talks to our next celebrity cameo, the comedian Patton Oswalt, who's in some sort of cult, but he's also a police chief. (laughs) And Patton Oswalt is going, oh, all we need is a virgin sacrifice to give Motherface the power to end Delta by once and for all. And so the police and the Dean are kind of working together on this one to completely destroy Delta by through the use of some sort of cult slash demonic magic. Um, and watching this movie again... I'm not so sure what I feel about this B-plot. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of great jokes in there. um, And there's a lot of great scenes in there. But I don't feel it's very well connected to the main plot of the slasher. Yeah, and I I feel like the the plot of, like, Buttcracker, whatever his name is, (laughs) um, I feel like the the fact that most of the B-plot is just kind of 
making jokes about his, I don't know, idiocy slash perverted comments kind of gets boring eventually. I think, like, the elements yeah. that come in later and kind of what, what they end up framing this around, like, what kind of comes around it and what, what kind of where it comes in the end is kind of great. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it just kind of feels, it, it's like, it's the kind of cringe humor at, at times, I feel like. Yeah, especially when we get later and they start talking about the Bane bus and, you know, how he wants to Bane kids and all that. Like, that joke went on for way too long, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but uh, Officer Smirkle, who is this... Uh, shit, who, who was the dim-witted cop from Andy Griffith? Oh, was he? Huh? Was he? No, oh. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm asking what was the name, because that's kind of um, oh. Officer Strife or whatever it was. I don't know. I'm just remembering stuff my dad told me. <laughs> he is... Officer Smirkle um, is actually played by the guy who created five-second films. So, like, he was one of the reasons why this movie was made in the first place. Um, He and another officer named Officer Candace um, Officer Candace Buttaker, yeah, (laughs) are sent to basically... The framing device they do is really weird for this one. Patton Oswalt, uh, the, uh, the officer, police chief tells him that the city is having an orange crisis <laughs> and the Delta by boys are secretly bags of oranges. And the only way to get all these oranges back are to bop the Delta by boys on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because they're all bags of oranges. Cause they're all bags of oranges. Okay. Movie. Let's go with it. <laughs> Uh, so Officer Candace at this point is secretly using Officer Smirkle because Officer Smirkle is this high-pitched voice who wants to do good in police work and okay, I have no brains at all. But Officer Candace is going to use him to as a virgin sacrifice mm-hmm. and now we have the B-plot set up. I always was curious. They never really explain how sacrificing him will stop Motherface. Yeah. They're like, we need a virgin we sacrifice. Don't. And it will stop Motherface, but how that works, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, beyond that line, that one line that says, we'll have the power to stop Motherface, that's it. That's that's all we get based on it. And then there's the one scene later on with the cult member, and then that's that. Like, so, well, it's, it's interesting, cause we, you know, in this context, we already know that she's not demonic or anything, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it's... I don't know, I, I feel... Like, they wrote the entire movie, and then they realized, oh, we don't have a place for these two actors and actresses. Because both the actor who plays Smirkle and the actor who plays Candace, they are five-second films alumni. And I think, don't quote me on this one, I think they're dating in real life, too. Um, I remember hearing that somewhere. But, yeah, um, they kind of added this whole B-plot just so they could probably be in there. And then Dad, Pat Oswalt as well. Um, At this point, we also have our first Reichen count. I kept track of that. Your what count? Reagan count. Oh, yes, um, <laughs> so the one of the framing devices um, at the very beginning of the movie, we get the slow scroll across the screen telling that this is a lost movie and it was banned, um, but it was produced by the Ronald Reagan administration. <laughs> and all throughout the movie, you get these subtle references to Ronald Reagan, like a painting in the back or, you know, a statue of him somewhere. And if you keep an eye out, it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, this isn't the first, because the Reagan statue was in the Dean's room, wasn't it? Doesn't get blood on it? Ooh, she gets killed. yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's two of them right there. Oh, yeah, the Dean got killed by Motherface, too. We forgot to mention yeah. that. Um, 
so that's that. So we have our A plot, the bro party people having their party in the old sorority house in the woods, and we have our B plot, which is Officer Smirkle and Officer Candace. Officer Smirkle trying to bop these Delta Vi boys on the nose. God, that's fun to say. <laughs> and Officer Candace trying to turn Smirkle into a virgin sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Good. So the very next thing we have is the Delta Bi boys in an RV driving towards the lake. And I think I'm going to pass this one off to you because there is a wonderful The Room reference oh my gosh, on here. There is. All right, yeah, so, so they're driving, and our, um, we, we, kind of, we, we see that they're in this uh, RV. Um, <laughs> and um, we see all these like, beer cans everywhere, and the, the party guy's driving. And like, the music in this movie is great because it literally just like, tells what's happening. And like as they're they're listening listen to the song, it just says, "Nobody is gonna die. Nobody <laughs> is gonna die." <laughs> and like, which is the same song they use for the trailer too. Oh, is it? As there was this montage of all these people dying <laughs> back and forth. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's, but it anyway, so good. Um, uh-huh. But uh, and anyway, at one point, Turbo like stops that music, tries to play something else, and it ends up being this like awkward romantic music uh, because uh, I forget the, the girl's name. Um, Samantha. Yeah, Samantha's trying to basically uh, woo her boyfriend into having a child. Um, uh-huh. And we get uh, Greg Sestero, um, and he's like, uh, he's like, what's, what's it all about? Flowers? The, uh, the music? Champagne? That banner that I refuse to read? <laughs> and, which, is, which is a throwback to, um, to the room where he kind of goes and visits uh, Tommy Wiseau's wife, and she has like champagne and music. And she's trying to seduce him. (laughs) And it's this horribly awkward line in the room, like everything else in the room. And it's same horribly awkward right here. Um, It's great. Um, At this point, Sizzler, the pledge, is also wearing a wedding dress for some reason. Um, Oh, I think think Samantha brought it. And he puts it on. Oh, yeah. So he put that on. (laughs) And we've got that right there. I think we also get to see that. that, That's like what they have the weird. They have the weird scene of uh, Samantha goes to like meet them. Because mm-hmm. because they leave, so basically they kind of cut to a scene of Samantha walking with a cake that has two people fucking on top of it, like made out of fondant. Yes, and, and then she uh-huh. sees like the sign that says motorhome parking, so kind of hinting that they just left without her, basically. <laughs> and like her boyfriend's trying to play yeah. it off, like no, it's because she loves you guys. That's why this is all here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we got that right there, and then they start talking about just going back and forth. I think there's some line in there where Spike says, "We're Americans, we can do everything." As he's driving, completely smashing. Completely <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's the other thing too. Spike, the hardiest, partiest member of this pro game, is driving this huge RV. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Oh, it's great. Right, that's right. Uh, we're Americans. We can do whatever we want with no consequences. Yep. <laughs> So we got that. Um, and then I do remember I had this written down in my notes, too. Um, they start talking, and they start kind of pepping up about this big party that they're having. And um, Spike goes, Forever's going to start tonight, bros! <laughs> <laughs> One again, it's this, this movie is so filled with these rapid-fire jokes that I'm still laughing from the, the, the cake or the room reference, and then this one comes on in. So it's it really rewards your attention. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the RV stops, and we meet Patty, the, pale bo- uh, the paddleboat salesman, <laughs> uh, who <laughs> lost his family in the senior prank that the Delta Bi boys did 
when they flooded the town. <laughs> so he's sitting there kind of crying over his family and his wife and son. And then he comes on over and he sees the belt of by boys and he goes, Oh, you're the guys who killed my family, but my paddle boat business is booming. So he's kind of going back and forth between these two emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's this really awkward scene where, like, he takes a picture of them. He's like, come on, guys. I have you to thank for my business. But I also have you to thank for the son, <laughs> uh, the death of my family. And I don't know. It's This is one of the few scenes in this movie where, like, on second viewing, I'm not so sure it hits as well as it could have. Um, well, I kind of feel like he was, like, like, I feel like this movie doesn't have a lot of red herrings. Like, this movie's kind of blatantly apparent. But I feel like he was kind uh-huh. of one red hair. I feel like he was he was that throwback to like the Friday Thirteenth, the Doom guy, and all that stuff. Like he was yeah. that character that they just they threw in just for that reason, but just kind of messed him up and made him like mm-hmm. you know a, a back and forth between liking them and hating them. Yeah, and at first glance, I thought, oh well, he must be some famous dude that I've never heard of that they just needed to stick in the movie, like Andrew WK when he comes on in. But um, no, um, I looked him up on IMDb, and he's really done nothing of note. So. I, I guess that's your interpretation right there in terms of a red herring. But the very next scene, as they're paddle boating towards the old sorority house, um, oh, they have to leave Nedry behind, unfortunately, because they do not have a paddle boat that accommodates his handicapped needs. Um, <laughs> we see Mutterfaith's about to kill Patty, who is kind of paddle boating by him lonesome self on the lake and she draws a bow and arrow and is about to murder him when patty takes out a gun and just shoots himself on the paddle boat <laughs> and then she goes oh okay <laughs> oh, i forgot about that part oh man yeah. my, my, that that's that that that's a that good room, that, room that was theory. a good one uh-huh <laughs> so we come on in Nedry's unfortunately left behind we get a little character developments about him and that he is just so afraid to swear and he cannot swear at all but it's 20 miles to the sorority house by wheelchair, so he kind of does his own mm. thing. And we switch back to Smirkle and Candace, who are driving along. <laughs> and this is another one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. Um, Smirkle and Ned- uh, Candace see a middle-aged man kind of shaking a young boy by the side of the road, like aggressively shaking him. <laughs> and... <laughs> The, the line the man says is something like, you think you're better than me just because you got a shirt and tie? <laughs> and Smirkle immediately jumps out of the van, runs on over to the guy, punches him in the face, goes over to the boy and says, hey, little boy, here's $100 and a copy of Grapes of Wrath. Get out of town. Go, make something yourself. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, when did you get into the, the trees for the night? I want you to read that fucking book. <laughs> I had to pause the movie at this part when I was watching it again the other day at night because I just I was laughing so hard. Oh, the, the the way he says it and the tone of his voice—it's uh, he's got this great nerdy voice about him. It's 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 wonderful. Um, but then we get to the next scene where Candace suddenly realized that hey, this virgin police officer may not be such a bad guy after <gasps> all, and. We get to Smirkle talking about his dreams for his van with kids. Uh, and you want to jump into that one? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so 
uh, much like we just saw there, um, we learned that uh, Merkel is a uh, wait, not Merkel, crap, not Merkel. What was Smirkle? Sorry, mm-hmm. Smirkle yep. is a uh, is a big fan of literature, and he has this uh, uh-huh. crazy dream um, to bang people with bang children with books. And we're talking metaphorically yep. here, hopefully. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, <laughs> and he kind of describes his his idea that when he was younger, his mind went bang, and he's like, I just want to, you know, I just want to bang all the children. I just want to bang them all. So he wants to basically start like a traveling library. Um, yeah, he wants to call it uh, the Smirkles Bang Bus. <laughs> yes, and like I, I felt this is one scene where the movie kind of falters a little bit because they really we get the joke. He is because he's innocent and he's virginal and he just he's he's got such an innocent air about him he's a great character but we get the joke he is confusing oh banning for pedophilia mm-hmm. and it's just they keep going on it oh i just i would love to bang all these books and you know i want to make or bane all these kids and make sure every kid gets banged and all that and it's yeah, it, it lasts way too long, and we get the joke. Mm-hmm. But um, then that joke interrupted by uh, by they they're driving. They start like rumbling in the cars, rumbling, and uh, they get out of the car and they found out that they rode over a person. And I kind of mm-hmm. love this. Love oh this yeah, they, they ride over. They yeah, they backed over the uh, man who was roughhousing that little little boy when they stopped. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh man, why does it have to not be a person anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and that's that's a great line that kind of encapsulates Smirkle. <laughs> oh man! And then it just like cuts, like just like yeah. I like it. That's like their transition. Yeah, it's great. So we go back to the old sorority house when a few more people join our motley crew. One of which is Mister Party Heart himself, Andrew WK, oh, yeah. and they see him and they all go ripstick. <laughs> um. Um, and this old sorority house is just a complete mess. So we go into a cleaning montage scene, um, where they all kind of go in and figure out all this stuff and move around and, you know, just clean it up. Yeah. And it's a great, and it's a great montage. Did did you listen to the lyrics for that montage? Yeah. It was just like, clean it up. Yeah. Let's clean it up. Or was there more? I was missing. You actually added lyrics. Just clean it up, clean it up, clean it up, clean it up. Over and over again. (laughs) And there's all these great montages of, like, Andrew W.K. giving them, making them cupcakes or, like, uh, just, like, awkwardly taking their shirts off and doing nothing. <laughs> like, yes. And, uh, and Sizzler, not Sizzler, what was the, who's the beer guy? I can't keep hearing his name. Uh, the beer guy is Spike. Yeah, Spike yeah. burying beer. And, like, uh, <laughs> yes. we get to see uh, ZJ or whatever, JC, like, hang a picture of Ronald Reagan and they, they like, flush tampons down the toilet. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so we get our next Reagan count right there, and there's this really... <laughs> I love how this movie keeps adding these elements of homoeroticism in there, because I remember at one point, Brock and... Um, oh, God, now I can't remember. Samzy, and I think it's Sizzler. They all high-five each other, <laughs> and then they interlocked their fingers, and they just kind of slowly put their hands down while they're staring at each other, and then it cuts on over to the next scene. <laughs> oh, oh, no, that was... Uh, that was it was... Um, who was it? It was... Uh... It was testosterone, turtleneck guy, and bro guy. Oh, the Britannic guys. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about them in a bit. Um, yeah, so this is uh, my other background information on there. So turtleneck guy, and I can't remember the other name. These are their actual character names. Um, come on, come on. Where are we, IMDb? 
Turtle neck, bro. Uh, Brian McElney and Nick Hackner play Flannel Bro and Turtle Neck Bro. Those are their actual character names. They don't have any actual names. They are parts of a YouTube comedy troupe, uh, Britannic, oh. which is another one of my favorites YouTube comedy troops. Um, they're absolutely hilarious, and they are actually writers for SNL now, I believe. Oh, shit. So, really, really funny guys. So, they kind of make a cameo. They just kind of show up out of nowhere, yeah. and it's it's wonderful. So, we got that right there. Uh, we get another Reagan count. <laughs> At one point, one of the bros actually, like, hangs up a framed picture of Ronald Reagan yeah. on the wall. <laughs> and that's how it got right there. So, at the end of it, the sorority house is sparkling clean, and it's wonderful. But wait... The party starts, and then the lights go out. And we learn Derek's character flaw, which is what? So, testosterone's character flaw. Uh, his his uh, character flaw is that he cannot do uh, tools. He's not a handyman. He doesn't like being a handyman. Yeah. No, he's, he's terrified from something that happened in his childhood. His dad was a handyman guy, and he just he never wanted to go into it. So... Oh. <laughs> Spike. Oh, actually. Or not Spike, uh, Turbo. Um, at one point he says, Hey, uh, Derek, go out and fix the fuse. You are good with this handyman shit. Actually, Turbo, I don't like handyman stuff. I did not know that, bro. I would not have said that if I had known that, bro. I'm sorry if I offended your feelings, bro. <laughs> we also get a great scene where we... Um... We get uh, Greg Stowe kind of looks up, like, you know, kind of like remembering his past trauma. And it's just a picture of, it's just like a, a cutaway or like a, an image imposed of Greg Sestero with like a mustache and like a beret yes. and a scarf. And he's like speaking in French. And, I, and it, the subtitles just say, if you're reading these subtitles, tell my wife I love her and I'm sorry. <laughs> just not translating what he's saying at all. Which is such a classic joke. I've seen that joke pop up in so many comedy movies and it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Um... So that's what happens. Derek goes out to the old shed, and I love it because there's a actual sign right next to the shed that says, The Shed. <laughs> uh, he goes out to fix the fuse box. Uh, his shirt gets torn in half. Oh, he, like, and I think that's like a nice little throwback to like you know those, those kind of slasher movies. Like, you know, the girls on the crop tops. He basically just gets a crop top. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of shirts that get killed in this movie. It's great. Um. So that's what happens. All right, then he kind of goes on in, and he's like, oh, man, my shirt got ripped. Heads on over to the fuse box. Almost gets it working, but Motherface pops up behind him, slams his head into the fuse box, and with that, the lights come back on. And they all say, oh, yeah, Derek, fix the fuse box. Woo! <laughs> uh-huh. And no one ever looks at it back. So, yep. So that's the first or second bro death of the movie for this A-plot right there. Um... And then we get a tender flashback scene with Brent and Brock. Brent is dancing with a mannequin. And Brock comes on and says, what are you doing, man? And Brent says, I I don't know how to dance. And I've got the prom coming up. Here, let me show you. (laughs) And then Brent and Brock start dancing. And he says, it's just like Tai Chi. You have to use her momentum against her. (laughs) And do you remember the line about the TJ Maxx at the end of the scene? We oh, return that man get a TJ Maxx, buddy. Yeah, man. Just remember, you just got to uh, you know use your momentum against her and believe in yourself. Also, we have to return this mannequin back to TJ Maxx. <laughs> um. So yeah, we get the fact that Brock liked to dance, um, which comes into play back mm-hmm. later. 
And we get a little more tender moments with Brent and Brock. But it's interrupted. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brent's interrupted from this daydream by Spike, who freaks out, screams Mm -hmm. murder, says, There's a murder! Heads on into the kitchen. Beer cans all over the floor. Someone killed all the beer! (laughs) So he starts to freak out a little bit about that right there. (laughs) I love it. He starts to freak out about the beer as he pulls out another beer and just shotguns it. (laughs) So Sizzler and CJ the camera guy, the pledge and the camera guy, decide to go out for a beer run. And Sizzler gets a box put on him with a glory hole inside and we get Sizzler's character development for the movie. He has to beef. He has to beef. Turbo says he has to beef. That's how it's going to go. So I got, I got a question for you. That's though. what's Yeah. Throughout the course of the movie, I, I couldn't quite tell what they meant by beef. I think like, 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 is it, is it masturbation? Vomit? Is, that... is it, is it vomit? I thought it was vomit. No. To, no, no. I like, don't know. Because they, they keep talking about beefing, but and he, he beefs uh-huh. at one point, and I couldn't, like, is it, like... Yeah, because he's, like... But he didn't throw up when he, when he says he beefed. What does it mean to beef? Okay, that's not helpful at all. What does they it ne- mean? They never explained it. Like, I, I assumed that meant, like, you know, yeah. kind of, like, you know, go or whatever, uh, but they never quite say yeah, it. And he keeps saying, like, you know, I can't beef, yeah. <laughs> but... yeah. Because he's a vegetarian, yeah. so that's one thing that keeps coming back and forth right there. But when, but when he beefs, it's not like when he actually does beef. It's not because he eats anything. It's when he breaks out of the like. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's standing up for himself. Maybe it's you know having beef with someone. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a California thing. I'm sure it's just a random joke. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he keeps coming back over and over again because CJ gives him this big pep talk as they're walking through the woods and saying, you know, don't worry, you're. You'll beef when you're ready. And he's like, I just don't know if I'm ready to beef. Don't worry, you'll beef when you're ready. (laughs) So those two are off on the woods right now. Um, Oh, this is the part two where Spike, uh, this is my favorite kill in the whole movie. Spike runs out of the house because he just, he is so scared that there's no more beer. And out in the mist, he sees a mysterious keg (laughs) just kind of sitting there in the middle of the woods. And uh, why don't you detail this scene for me? Let's look through my stuff quickly because I think you're oh, a little bit ahead of me. I think. Okay, so that's fine. I think before that we get to see we get CJ and in, uh, in the pledge. Oh yeah, where they're just kind of wandering around and they're doing their pep talk back and yeah. forth. Um, uh huh. Sorry, one second. Let's get ahead here. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So he's, um, we get Spike and he's he's run through and he, he finds this keg um, and he kind of uh-huh. gets over it and he's like, but wait, there, there's no tap. There's no tap. And. Um, then uh, Motherface appears behind him and shoves a, a tap into his head and uh, <laughs> begins pumping it and gives him the hose and he uh, fills up a cup with his blood um, and then starts uh-huh. to drink it. And I think, I forget, what is, she, what is she like, it's all head or? Yeah, she goes, she takes a sip of it and then goes, yeah, all head. <laughs> uh, and that's another thing I love about this movie is after every single kill Motherface does, she gives some sort of quip. That's great. <laughs> oh, and. So that's that. So we have Spike is dead. Well, actually, want to um, rewind back before that a little bit? Um, yeah. So before that part, um, uh, we see um, Brent goes up to the attic. He he kind of pushes open his. Uh, he's kind of you see him in the bathroom. He pushes open his mirror, um, and he climbs mm-hmm. upstairs and he ends up finding um, who's the crazy guy? 
Samzy. Samzy's up there. Yeah. Um, and Samzy starts talking to him about dancing. And he's mm-hmm. like, and he's like, oh, you know, I, I Brock, I knew you love to dance. And at this point, he just pretends to be Brock, basically. He's like, yeah, it's me. Because he's like, mm-hmm. thinks it's weird that he's up in this attic with him. Um, and yeah, because Samzy isn't all there. Samzy obviously has a lot of PTSD from all the other Motherface encounters. And, yeah. And, yeah. like, they start dancing, and at one point, uh, Samzy kind of jumps, slash is kind of thrown in the air, and lands on his neck and breaks it, and dies, uh, more or less. <laughs> what I love about this scene is how serious Samzy is the entire time. Like, Brock goes up there to find more stuff about the investigation, and he sees a lot of, like, newspaper clippings about the old Motherface murder- murders, and he's got his pen and paper out, and he's ready to take on notes. And then Samzy is just like, Brock, dance with me. But my investigation. Dance. Now we dance. Well, then, and then after that point, that's where Spike appears. Because Spike pops up out, of the, out from underneath the, um, the oh, stairs. Oh, that's right, and he's like, yes. Dude! Uh-huh. And, like, you know, Brent's freaking out. And he's like, he's wasted on beer! And then he runs out to find Because <laughs> he's, like, mortified. That's right. And then that's when Spike runs out, and that's when Spike gets killed. That's right. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, it was in my notes, too. Oh, man. I have no excuse for that anything? one. <laughs> and then so we get back um to the main room where they're all still having their little party and i think they're arm wrestling at this mm-hmm. point and this is one of my favorite throwaway lines of the entire thing the britannic guys turtleneck guy and flannel guy or turtleneck bro and flannel bro are sitting against the next to a bookcase and then one of them says so hamlet's not in the play no no he's in the play it's just not about him oh that sounds really pretentious <laughs> Because those are the exact same Rosenstantz and Guildenstern characters that they are. And it's it's great. Uh, so we get our Reagan count three. Uh, there's uh, another painting on the wall. Oh, that's um, four now. And this is the time yeah. when... Oh, yeah. We forgot the statue. Uh, yeah, we're at... Yeah, we're at four. Oh, actually. Reagan count just four. Just a quick interlude. Um, we do get, we get a great commercial um, mm-hmm. where, it's, um, where it shows... Because uh, they cut the commercials throughout the movie. Um, and we get this great commercial yeah. where it's just this, this couple sitting down eating coffee. And the woman's just like, man, this coffee's so lame. And then, like, through the wall, like, an orange tree, like, an arm that looks like it's made out of, like, wood, bursts through and goes, did somebody order orange juice? And then just cuts back to the movie. <laughs> like, these trailers alone are so good. Yeah, now, once again, the framing device is, this is an old VHS tape that's been taped over. So we've got, like, occasionally baby photos or baby pictures here and there going back and forth. And it's, it's great. Um... So Samantha shows on up, and Samantha obviously wants to bang Todd and put his Delta Bide seed into her. Um, but the bros go, no, man, this is a bro-fest. She needs to stay outside. <laughs> so this is a random fact about the movie that I read about that I just, I really loved. Um, you've heard of the Bichtel test, what? right? I think I'm pronouncing that right. The, the Bichtel test? Bichtel, Bichtel, the Bichtel test? Bichtel, Bichtel yeah. test, yes. Okay, so it is basically a test used in certain forms of media to measure the representation of women in fiction. Um, the criteria is it has to involve two women characters talking to each other about something that's not a man. Um, and a crazy amount of movies do not pass this yep. test. When they were making Dubro Party Massacre 3... They knew about the bike test, and they intentionally designed the film to fail. <laughs> <laughs> it just it fits in so well with the frat boy culture. Um, but as Samantha comes on in and how this character is treated, it's it's really funny. Well, it's, it's um, funny but also sad. Like it's it's 
It's funny, but I feel like because I, I kind of felt it kind of made me feel uncomfortable a little bit watching that because like I think it's mm-hmm. funny and it's intentional what they're doing, but it's also kind of like mm-hmm. like I think it's indicative of I, I think I think the joke they're trying to make is that again the time for these movies when they were created that's kind of basically how characters were treated. Mm-hmm. But I also saw it a little bit as just a knock on frat boy yeah. culture where you know it's all about drinking and fucking and you know in a lot of frat boy cultures women are disposable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on the frat boy friends I've known. And I, I I do have a lot of frat boy friends who, you know, are in loving relationships and all that. But the parody they're trying to form right there, the the stereotype of the frat boy they're trying to invoke in this movie is... They, they, they try and nail mm-hmm. that. But, um, and then that's what they do right there. So, yeah. But Samantha's not treated well at all. Yeah. When we, get, when, we get, when we get them walking out, uh, Samantha and her uh, mm-hmm. boyfriend walk out, and we get this great scene where he's like, God, I'm tired of this. You're ruining my life. And as he yells life, he rips off his shirt. And it's just the most dramatic. I feel like they then kind of cut to Motherface, who just kind of looks like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the two of them are sent to be in a tent in the shed. Uh, well, there's a tent in the shed, and Todd and Samantha are going to sleep there the night. And this is another thing about the movie that I'm noticing as well is there's two main female characters. There's Motherface and then there's Samantha. And neither one of them is sexualized at all. Um, At the very beginning of the movie, we do have a couple boob shots when uh, a bunch of girls are electrocuted while they're streaking. But other than that, the female characters are not sexualized at all in this movie. However... I think one of the big jokes is that like the the, the men... Don't like women, basically. Like, yes. Like, uh, even like, like even like when he <laughs> when they start in the in the later scene, they start when him and her start, you know, having sex. Having he's sex, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He can't. He can't. You know, he's, he can't concentrate. Can't focus. And there's a great joke where he's like, yeah. "Babe, uh, little guy can't breathe. I don't think the holes he poked in the condom are working." <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and doesn't she say something like, "Think of your bros, do it yeah. for your bros, or something like that?" Well, then yes. he's, like, well, he's like, "Oh, this helps." He turns off the lights, and then he's like, "Yeah, this is better." And she looks back and he's like, "Don't look at me." Yes. <laughs> so like, I think there's a lot of jokes about like, kind yeah. of homosexuality and kind of that like the the exclusivity uh, of women kind of also mm-hmm. uh, creating this kind of male culture of you know uh, yeah they're parodying the whole macho yeah even the name like Delta Bi like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I love this too because the point I was trying to reach is the female characters aren't sexualized at all but the male characters okay. I mean, their shirts are being ripped off all over the place. There's a whole bunch of homoerotic subtext that's played off for jokes on this one. I mean, the male characters in this movie are sexualized the hell out of mm-hmm. them. And that's a huge departure from the usual slasher films. <laughs> I love how they parodied that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Todd and Samantha finally start having sex. And I don't remember exactly how she convinces him. She just basically starts giving a blowjob and they, they cut to them in the uh, in the mm-hmm. tent after that um, well yeah. I think Shelves convinces him like I think I don't think that he's against sex I think he's just against uh, you know fertilization so like I think that she gives him a yeah. condom and pokes holes in it but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and he's just he's very sweet and very virginal it's just like I'm not ready for sex because I'm not ready for children and like that connection does not cross his <laughs> mind at all and then, yeah, the joke about, you know, these air holes you poked in the condom aren't working. Um, but as he's going at it doggy style, uh, Motherface sneaks up on, behind him on the tent. And as he's orgasming, Motherface kind of stabs him in the back. And um, Samantha just immediately falls asleep and says, thank you, Toddy. 
And that's that. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to Sizzler and CJ, um, who have trees just randomly fall on them by Motherface. Um, great job, Motherface. That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, tree falling you did right there. And Motherface attaches a rope to yep. CJ, and he is pulled right in half. And then at this point, Sizzler finally beefs and runs out of the box. I don't know what it was that he did. But yeah, at this point he says, I'm going to beef, I'm going to beef, I'm going to beef. And then the very next part we see is him running yeah, out of the, the box. Yeah, the box rips so. open. It's like, it's like a giant refrigerator yeah. box that he just like rips open and runs out of. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And then we cut back to Sparkle and Candace, mm-hmm. who um, are once again cleaning the guts out of the, of the dead person out of the car and finally they do and sparkle pushes the car after screaming virgin strength (laughs) get back in there but they immediately run into sizzler and they crash the car and that's that and they start flying through the air like all the way above the clouds we also get kind of a little moment where uh when sparkles before he gets his virgin strength we get like a little pep talk, uh, or Candace kind of uh-huh. talks to like you know, kind of basically lists off benefit, like kind of nice things about him, which kind of is building up their relationship mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, we also yeah. get a kind of funny thing that kind of shows his past trauma with the dude bros, where um, you've mm-hmm. seen that, like a comedy show delivering a uh, kind of a, a routine, and then it, show, it cuts to the the audience and it's the dude bros, and they start throwing oranges at him, and they're like, "Oh man, he sucks. You can tell he's a virgin." <laughs> it's like his past trauma <laughs> with the dude bros. Yeah. Yeah, now the the Delta Vi is not very well liked, um, <laughs> but it's it's great. <clears throat> so, um, that's the night, and then the very next scene we see is the morning after. All the living bros are still playing in the lake, and CQ comes on by by zipline, and <laughs> my favorite part is um, the Britannic guys go, "Oh, hey, look, CQ's uh, finally uh, overcome his fear of heights." Wait, that wasn't previously established. <laughs> and the zip line kind of flows on down, and then all of CQ's innards just start <laughs> spilling out onto the broads, and his dead body falls into the lake, and we get this miniature scene of his body floating on down and disturbing all these bodies resting on the floor, and then the dead bodies of the old town that they flooded kind of fall on back up to the surface. <laughs> Um, old Patchton comes back alive. Uh, Samantha comes on back. She's completely covered with blood after waking up and finding her dead boyfriend next to her. Oh, she's got this great line, um, (laughs) where she's sleeping and we zoom in on her face and she goes, daddy, daddy, I'm sorry. I wasn't born a boy. I'll give you a grandson to make up for it. (laughs) And just like, oh, Todd, I was having the most wonderful dream. Ah, (laughs) Oh, this movie is horrible. I love it. And then, so then after that, um, after the dude rose, you know, see so how the body's in the water, and she find, wakes up with her boyfriend's body, you, you get to see them both kind of running away. So they're running away from the dead bodies in the water, and she's running, uh-huh. Samantha's running away from her boyfriend. And they run past each other, and I think it's Turbo, just clotheslines her, and just keeps running. <laughs> just out of nowhere. And then they keep going. And then they basically think it's her. So they're like, oh, it's obviously her. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. So they all go back into the old sorority house. Samantha's right after the door after they lock it and start boarding it up. And then Turbo goes, who is it? It's Samantha. Oh, Samantha, who? Let me in. My boyfriend is dead and I got punched in the face. This week isn't going as well as I expected. <laughs> oh, I love that actress. She was one of my favorites back during the five second era. Uh, Kelsey Godden. She's yeah. great. Um, so we got that. Uh, Sizzler comes on back at this point and then shows them the video under the pretense, look, I finally beefed. <laughs> but they end up using the video to discover that, oh shit, Motherface is back. Um, <laughs> I like it when they hook the video up. Um, Sizzler says, okay, now look at this. Now, pause. Move forward by four frames. Move forward by two frames. Zoom. Now squint. <laughs> and they all squint at the video as a parody of the CSI Enhance. Um, and they all realize that, oh shit, Motherface is back. And Samzy reveals a really weird point right there um, of a creation he has made. So uh, what, what was it that he made, Andrew? I'm sorry, I lost it for a second. What? <laughs> Okay, no, it's okay. No, Samzy oh. at this point says, don't worry, guys, I have something oh, okay. prepared. Um, I, I, I have something prepared just in case Motherface ever mm-hmm. returned. And he reveals that he created a clone robot to kill Motherface in case she ever came mm-hmm. back. What? And... I say, mm-hmm. Sorry, even before, like, uh, actually, you finish that first. You finish that first. Yeah, no, Samsy just says, don't worry, he's up in the attic, it'll be fine. And then Brent goes, oh, yeah. No, don't go up there. We can handle it ourselves. No, it's okay, I'll just go right up there. Well, and then Samsy goes on up there and realizes that the robot who was dancing with Brent in the attic is now completely destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a whole setup for Samsy's kill. Um, well, at this point, too, Samzy now yeah. knows that Brent isn't Brock because, like, during the fight, he, he like, yes. Brent, like, on point, they, I, I think, uh, Samzy yells, like, Brock, what'd you do? And he's like, no, I'm, not, I'm Brent. And he's like, oh, wait, what? You're, you're his brother? Oh, you, you, you little Brenty? You little, uh-huh. <laughs> like, and it's like yeah. this. Yeah, and then Samzy just kind of has an existential crisis about that and goes, oh, shit, that's right. Brock is really dead. And this is his twin brother, Brent. And then it's just kind of, he can't handle it and runs out of the cabin. <laughs> When he runs into Motherface. And how does this kill go? Uh, I'm trying to remember that, actually. Uh, I'm trying to look through my notes real quick. Um, catch me up here. Um, it's the um, it's the remote control. Oh my gosh. This, I, so when this, when this kill happened, I was so confused what was going on. Um, uh-huh. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so he, he runs out of the deck. He runs out um, into, the, into the woods and runs out onto this dock. Um, and then Motherface appears behind him. And this is, like, one of the few times we actually see Motherface, like, kind of uh, interact with the dude bros without just killing them flat out. Um, yeah. So he, he's, like, freaking out. And he's like, you know, I, I watched you die last time. I, so, you know, I helped kill you both last times. So I had a plan this time. Like, and we kind of see that he was actually kind of a smart character, um, even though he's kind of the traumatic mm-hmm. joke. Um, and she pulls out this, like, yeah. weird bazooka thing. And, like, I, I feel like it's almost like a parody of, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 7, Freddy's Dead. Um yeah, that's the uh, video yeah. game death, right? And like, so she shoots him in uh-huh. the head with this like this big gun. Shoots out this tiny little projectile, um, and it looks like a like a meat like a meat timer, like a meat thermometer um, that goes mm-hmm. into his head, and it basically just takes control of him. And she pulls out like a little RC controller and makes him punch himself in the face um, over mm-hmm. and over again. And you know the, the 
the line that, that is necessary, which is uh, "Stop hitting yourself," is said. Um, it mm-hmm. makes him tell, makes him say uh, that he's a little bitch as he rips out his tongue and shits his pants, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he falls into the water. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think what they were setting up with was Samsy, you know, created that robot that just randomly died up in the attic. And I think they were just trying to turn that back into that one right there. But it's, yeah, it's another one of the weaker kills in the movie because I really don't feel like, oh, robots kind of came out of nowhere. But it is what it is. Because <clears throat> they never really established that Samsy is, like, intelligent enough or capable enough to handle that. Todd, I could see, yeah. but... Not so much Samsy. I, I guess like, like as much as it was like an interesting kind of ridiculous death, it was almost like that one. That one might be the one that was too far for me in terms of like. Yeah. Like, I think mm-hmm. especially because I feel like his character, the way his character was, I kind of feel like he he deserved a little mm-hmm. bit different of a death than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I almost agree like, with that he, too. like you know he could have had like his cl- his uh, robot thrown at him or something, and that could like took him out, like you know something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. This is just over the top. Yeah, or like a you know mirror match or something like that with a yeah. robot. I don't know. Um. So then we cut back to Smirkle and Candace, and not much happens in the scene except that Candace and Smirkle are kind of just laying there after their crash, and Candace says a few things about, oh, you were really brave when we were flying through the air and were saving me, and then they're kidnapped by cultists. And well, they're kidnapped by Motherface. Yeah. Was it Motherface yeah, they were well, kidnapped by? I thought it was kidnapped no, Motherface comes up behind him, hits him in the back of the head, and says, and says nice work, officer, and takes him. But why... Okay, so this is the B-plot. And this is what I'm confused about. Isn't the whole point of the B-plot is that the officer wants to sacrifice Smirkel so that they will gain power to... Oh, no, they're defeating Delta Bai, not Motherface. No, yeah. no they're, they're, defeating, they're defeating Motherface. They're defeating so Motherface. I think the idea is that he's a version of Sacrifice. So if she kills the virgin, yes. Sacrifice... Uh-huh. Then ah. it's okay. Then, the, then the, they can't go through with the cultic Which, which makes you wonder, okay, gotcha. doesn't all the other characters in this movie aren't virgins? Mm-hmm. All of them? I guess so. I mean, Todd was a virgin. Well, was. But, but then there's yeah. other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what about a nerd, nerdy nerd? Nerd nerd. Uh, Nedry, yeah. Nedry could work. Uh, Sizzler, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But mm-hmm. anyway, so she drags him off. So we got that and right then, there. Uh, yeah. After that, we cut to a great scene, which okay, I just love this scene so much just because of like the ridiculousness of it. Um, so we kind of cut back uh-huh. to Samantha and um, Brent in the house, and she, you know he's kind of consoling her, and she says like, "Oh, and like you know, and Turbo's kind of in the back watching." Um, she's like, "Oh, I'm cold," and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, here, take this," and he goes to the take off his plaid uh, shirt, and instead of like undoing the buttons, he just kind of rips it down, so it rips open on the back, <laughs> and then like drapes it over. <laughs> I love that scene so. Oh much. my my. My favorite part, as so Brent goes, Samantha, are you cold? And, no, the very first thing he says, Samantha, I'm sorry I abandoned you. And then she goes, that's okay, Daddy. I mean, Brent, I'm cold. <laughs> and he, I like, he's like drapes over his shoulders and just like, there you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just a very slow, sexy way of taking his shirt off. And it's just, oh, so God, good. this movie. Um. So we do that, and at this point, all the bros are together, and they realize that Motherface is picking them off, and they're like, okay, we need a plan of attack. And then we get to my favorite montage in the entire... My, my, my favorite... I'm going to call it a soliloquy at this point. It's my favorite soliloquy in the entire movie. Turbo meets with Brent, and <laughs> he goes... Um, Turbo basically says, why? Uh, well, 
Turbo finds out that Brent doesn't really care about joining Delta Bi. Brent just cares about solving the murder of Brock. And Turbo does not take this very lightly at all. He's just like, why? Why would you lie to me? Why would you do this to me, man? Why would you do this to me, bro? And then Brent says, no, no, I promise, I promise. I won't ever lie to you again. I've lied this one time, but I'm telling you the truth right now. Why would you lie to me, bro? Well, what if I had a surprise birthday party? You invited all my friends. You got a cake. You came on over, and you went to my favorite restaurant, and I asked you, hey, are we doing anything tonight? And you would say, no. Would you lie to me then, Brent? No. Well, yeah, for your surprise birthday party. I don't like surprise birthday parties, Brent. And he just launches into this big thing. Oh, it's amazing the energy that Turbo's actor brings to the scene. It's it's great. Um, and then we also find out about Turbo's biggest mm-hmm. fear. And as he's going on and as he's angry about Brent's um, lying to him, he lets slip that the reason why he's afraid of dogs is because he has a hairy baby dog dick. <laughs> She's like, it's okay, Turbo, you know, dog, you know, I'm sure your penis is fine. No, man, it's hairy, it's baby dog dick, and every time I see a puppy dog, it looks just like my dick. (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, that's that. So we learned a little bit more about Turbo at that point. (laughs) We head on over to Sizzler, who is up in the bathroom, and... He is looking for his rabbit vegetarian food. He, he, he calls it rabbit food that he wants to eat. And he finds out that his actual rabbit has eaten all of his food. And Motherface is there right behind the door. She comes on in and she slits his stomach open. And Sizzler is just like, no, I don't like meat. Meat outside my stomach. And she pulls out his intestines and then force feeds mm-hmm. it to him. It's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's then, something. Well, then she takes his she takes his long intestine and drops it in the um, it's like a small intestine probably. And tops it, drops it in the toilet and then flushes it so it gets all pulled out mm-hmm. down the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the water pressure on that toilet is amazing. It's, it's and then great. I think I think after that like, then all the uh, the tampons pop up. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh. They brought it back. It's wonderful. And then, from, so from there we jumped uh, to Turbo. And did you notice his uh-huh. costume? No. Uh, his, his costume is totally slightly like Ash Williams because he has like the the shotgun thing over. He's wearing like the blue uh, the blue kind of denim shirt with the pockets on the front. Oh my god, you're like, right. Has, you're right. That's the name of our podcast, and I totally missed yeah, that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he. Uh, <laughs> He he comes in and he finds a gun for one bullet. And he's like, "Oh, sick! One bullet! Awesome!" And uh, the door closes behind him in this room that he goes into, um, and he sees this little tiny flipping dog toy. And he's like, "Oh, that's cool! You're not a real dog. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care." So he's he's trying to like, show off his bravado. Um, and then a bunch of tiny dogs come out of nowhere and get on him, and he's like, "You get to see like his face imposed on the dog, and uh, you're unfortunately treated to a bunch of dog dicks flashing in front of your face." As he has like Baby a breakdown, dog dick. it's really awkward <laughs> to see. Uh, and oh, I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I don't oh. know. I'm dog dicks. Like you know, I I, walk, I, have, like, I clean my dog, and I'm, I'm, I'm I see his every now and I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but that, uh, enough, that, yeah. that pushes him to uh, shoot himself with that one bullet, <laughs> and that's um, how he yeah. uh, he goes down. Yeah, um, definitely one of the more unique deaths I've seen in a slasher film. <laughs> but, so we got that right there. 
So at this point, uh, all that's left is um, Samantha and Brents and Nedry, mm-hmm. I believe. Everyone else is dead. Oh, no, the Britannic guys are still there, but everyone else mm-hmm. is dead. Um, <laughs> oh, and Andrew WK, too. Ripstick. Um so they all walk around and they're looking for Sizzler. They just keep yelling out, Sizzler! Sizzler! And they jump back and forth to like previous scenes from the beginning of the movie. Like at one point they're walking through the graveyard with the paddle boat salesman going, Sizzler! As the guy is crying there who previously passed away or shot himself. Um, he also goes like the memory of him dancing with his brother and looks for Sizzler. Yes, he does. <laughs> so we got Sizzler going back and forth. Uh, finally, he meets up with Samantha, realizes that, you know, if they don't have, uh, they can't find him. And Samantha then realizes that there's one more bro. She's mm. pregnant. Dum, dum, dum. And then they go, whoa, the last, the last bro. bro. But then what, but then what happens? Uh, and then, uh, as he, as he goes down and, uh, he puts his hand on her belly and we get to see a nice little pic, a little image of her boyfriend's head kind of like appear on her stomach. <laughs> Um, before being interrupted when I don't know what what stabs through her exactly, but something goes through her, um, and I think it's a harpoon, a harpoon or something. Yeah. On the end of it uh, or is a, fire a little fetus that is impaled and apparently uh, formed very quickly. Oh <laughs> yes, it is just so offensive and so ridiculous, and it's just. And it's I think Motherface like rips it up so, yeah, through the fetus her, is... her body and like cuts her in half with it. Yep. And then we have Brent as the last bro. Uh, so Brent runs on out, and he sees that the Britannic guys are cut in half, just waiting by a tree. And he goes, you guys, you are killed too! And the Britannic guys go, you don't even know our names. Yeah, I do. What are our names? Flannel bro and turtleneck bro. You got <laughs> lucky. <laughs> So we got that, and then we have our final battle. Motherface comes on in and attacks Brent from the final battle, but Brent has a revelation. He goes, I know who you are. And he keeps going, you know, you use Delta Buy to accomplish your own names, do your own games. You know, we had, we displaced that Central American dictatorship um we did that as a senior prank but it was for your benefit and the pst from ripstick and samsey you know they fought for you back during their war during that time they developed PS. they sacrificed their mental state for you i know who you are motherface you're really ronald reagan <laughs> and then she rips off her mask and it's ronald reagan sitting right there it's like how did you know but then he wakes up and he was just like, oh, man, I thought I had that one. And no, Motherface is revealed to actually be the school therapist for the uh, beginning which, of the movie. Which I love because it's not even a reveal. <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. like, hey, you're that character we saw murder the guy in the beginning of the film. It's like, okay. Like, yeah. you're the Motherface we saw. It's yeah. not even like you a reveal. It's, it's like the uh, best, best conclusion. But the, I love how they did include that Ronald Reagan joke in there. Just like, oh, God, it built up to that. And... Oh, great. I love it, too. Like, when he, when he reveals he's so, Ronald Reagan, he takes off the mask. But then, not not only does the mask come off, but then he's apparently wearing a suit. <laughs> he's wearing a suit and tie after wearing, like, a crop top before <laughs> that as mother face. I wonder who they got for Reagan. I'm going to look that up right now. Because, ugh. And, he, and, like, he, and we get oh, this man. great little cheesy scene where he jumps up there. He's like, I solved it. And, like, these lights and stuff flash by. Yes. <laughs> Devin Zephyr. I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, nothing. I've, he was in an Alice in Chains music video. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So the school therapist is the actual mother face. Not a huge reveal mm-hmm. at all. Um, well, and how do you? And do you remember how they reveal that? Um. So he's no. like, because he kind of basically retreat. He gets up basically like, after being after waking up from his delusion. He sits up. He's like, I know who you are, mother face. He's like, and it's, and it's obvious. You knew all the bros' fears. Like, whatever his name was, afraid of not having beer. He was afraid of babies. He was afraid of meat. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you're the school psychiatrist. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and what I like here is, like, she, con- she continues to go on then and actually kind of, like, gives a good reason for killing them. She's, yeah. She, she's like, your brother like, your brother and his friends killed these people. They murdered my mom. They murdered my sister. You crashed, you crashed a fucking airplane into an orphanage. Like, you're terrible people. You probably should be dead. <laughs> yes. Yes, perfect. Yeah, it's great. And then he's just like, oh, yeah. And then they start fighting. Um, he gets some channeling from Brock um, saying to use Chai Chi to use her momentum against her. And at this point, she goes, you know why Brock told me that he transferred schools? Well, it was because, you know, this school didn't have a good architecture program. No, he told me he needed space. <laughs> so things are looking very down. And Brent is on his back, and Motherface is about ready to kill him. With out of the woods comes Nedry, and he is a motherfucking swear sorcerer at this point, just swearing. And he's also have mastery over the animal. <laughs> I love the one line he has. It's like, you see this majestic motherfucker right here? This is a bald eagle, one of the most majestic motherfuckers on earth, and I made him my bitch. <laughs> what does he have? Like a um, bear and a wolf. Yeah, it's a bear, a wolf, I think there's a skunk somewhere in there, and they're all like just taxidermying animals that just kind of, someone's behind them shaking them back and forth. Um, but Mother Faith, I think, just tosses a knife at him, and he yeah. dies, and the animals just like slowly well, think They drag his body away. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> so, there's this song that keeps playing throughout the entire movie as part of the soundtrack. And it's just this very somber, sweet song, just like four notes over and over again. And Brent starts singing that song, uses Motherface's inertia against her. All of his conversations with Brock come on in, and then this ghostly apparition of Brock appears next to him. And Brock just says, I didn't need space, man. But your bros are always with you. And he looks on over, and we get this, like, end of Return of the Jedi. All these bro ghosts are just kind of staring right there at him, just giving him a thumbs up. And then he says, all you gotta do, Brent, is let your bros in. And then Brent goes, bros, enter me. Which, once again, for the homoeroticism in this movie, it's Mm -hmm. wonderful. (laughs) Um, So all the ghosts kind of just slam into Brent over and over and over again. And Brent turns into this Lou Ferrigno-looking guy who's just massively muscle-bound. <laughs> this is my favorite. Oh, God. <laughs> he picks up Motherface and just beats the shit out of her. Like, in the Avengers, when Hulk just slams Loki around in the Avengers Tower, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> just pounds on her. <laughs> oh, God, she gets a beating. Well, and the whole time, like, um, uh, when, when all the ghosts appear, like, Samantha appears, and her boyfriend just pushes her away, so she yes. doesn't go into Brent. And just, yes. While he's being the shit out of Motherface, it just cuts to her, like, watch, like, oh, God, oh, oh, God. Yes. <laughs> and then we kind of zoom up to the sky as Motherface is finally killed, and then Brock goes, your bros will be with you 
always. And then we get the ghostly apparition of Samantha's <laughs> fetus, and then the fetus goes, bye-bye. <laughs> so that's the end of the A plot, but we still have the B plot to wrap up. Um, Officer Smirkle is on a pentagram on this rock, and he is about ready to be a virgin sacrifice. And Officer Candace comes on out and basically says, no, I'm going to save your life. And climbs on him and rides him on top, and he is no longer a virgin. And then the cultist plans are ruined because they can't use him well, anymore. And I think, too, I think um, when that happens, when, when, they, when, you know, when he loses virginity, his like geek soul dies and goes into uh, Trent, or goes into Brent as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he becomes yes, part of the Super Brent. something like that. <laughs> Good stuff. So, yeah, um, the very last scene, we cut back to the police station, and Patton Oswalt is, police chief Patton Oswalt is just really pissed off because this, obviously the plan was ruined, and he also had a big R.I.P. Smirkle cake all planned out, and that's just not happening anymore. So he is really pissed about that, and he actually gets so angry that his head explodes and that's about it. So we head on over, and Smirkle and Candace are sitting there, and Smirkle goes, Hey, so we make a pretty good crime-solving duo. But then Candace reveals her deep, dark secret, which is what? She's actually a bag of oranges. What? What? <laughs> we get this scene where we get flashbacks to all of their interactions in the entire movie, like her in the passenger seat while they're driving the car or driving the van. She's just a bag of oranges, just kind of sitting there, flying through the air with a bag of oranges. <laughs> and then my favorite one is when she's having sex with Officer Smirkle. They cut back to it, and there's literally just a bag of oranges just kind of <laughs> humping Officer Smirkle. And doesn't at one point, like, he gets juiced in the I face so, or something yeah. like that, too? So she goes, Smirkle, you know what you have to do. You have to boot me on the nose. But no, I don't want to. There's an orange shortage. You have to. And then he goes, boops her on the nose, and then the Pasadena orange crisis is completely solved, and oranges literally start raining from the sky as he falls to his knees. (laughs) And that's Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. It's a classic. Yeah, um, we get one more after credit scene of Ripstick on the roof, just kind of chilling there as all of this carnage is going on <laughs> around him, and he just he can't get back down because they took the ladder <laughs> at one point, and <laughs> well, he, now he's like, all they're eating oranges, just like chilling out, like oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I love yeah. it too because like so, so we, we, in the credits we get like a classic like I don't know like family movie where it kind of like is like freeze frames of characters with their names, but it's like all their deaths, just like uh-huh. <laughs> showing them all like in their throats and stuff. It's so good yeah so that was that um the kickstarter was fairly successful the five second films guy um this is the only movie they've produced so far i'm really hoping they're gonna have more because at this point most of the five second film people they're either on different comedy troops um just moving back and forth or writing for different comedy shows and they're all kind of doing their own thing right now which i'm very happy they're all very talented people but um I wish they would come back and create another one of those movies. But at the same time, I mean, Dude Bro Party Massacre um, was originally a five-second film, and it was just a clip of, you know, a bunch of bros being murdered in a frat house, just like the opening few scenes. But 
Yeah, um, it wasn't connected at all, but the idea was there. So hopefully they can do it if they actually have an idea for it. But I really, I really do enjoy these guys. I think they're probably past their prime because they're not doing the five second films anymore. But I'm glad they're moving on to bigger and better things, and I hope they all really do find success because they are fucking funny. Yeah, it's. I mm-hmm. feel like yeah, I feel like there aren't many really films like this, and I feel like a lot of films try to be like like I feel like kind of with horror movies these days, like with these kind of horror comedies, we get movies like we get a lot of like movies kind of like pieces like we did last week where it's funny because it's just so ridiculous um and it's mm-hmm. another trying and maybe you know some things were probably parody as well but like it's funny because it's bad um and i think a lot of movies yeah. that try to be funny because they're funny and try to be bad funny usually turn out like shit mm-hmm. and i think this one of those rare yeah. ones actually is bad funny and does it very well mm-hmm. yeah it's intentionally they intentionally try and make it bad but i mean there's a lot of really creative ideas that go into it and there's a lot of really creative jokes in there so like the on a surface level, it's a bad movie, but if you keep looking at it, like it's it's like Airplane or The Naked Gun, where you keep noticing stuff every single time mm-hmm. you watch it, and it's it's a very tightly written script, and the jokes come sixty miles an hour, just rapid fire over and over and over again. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's great. I would definitely recommend it. Get a whole bunch of people together and just laugh and enjoy it. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, cool. All right, any closing thoughts on this film? I don't think so, no. Um, should we tell them cool. what we're doing next week? Already. Um, okay. Yes. So next week, uh, well, why don't you go ahead because it was uh, your so idea. Next week we're, we're going to review uh, a movie that came out, I believe, la- it came out last year in American theaters. I don't know if it came out in the UK earlier. Um, but it came out, I think, last year around October, December, um, called Anna, the Apocaly- Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a uh, musical mm-hmm. kind of comedy uh, teen movie uh, about uh, zombies that descend upon a small town mm-hmm. and it is I can honestly say it is the best Christmas zombie musical British film I've seen oh, this man, year that's, that's some high accolades there I know I know it really really is so I'm really excited to be talking about that one I've had the soundtrack stuck in my head for like the past 24 I, hours I've been running um, to it lately it's been great it's... I, I did too which, which song, I did. song it was great uh, Break Free and uh, not, Hollywood not, uh, Brand New Day or Turn My Life Around uh, that's a good one too that yeah, was on yeah, there too yeah, gotta mm-hmm. to that one. yeah yeah. and then we got the fish wrap oh, I love, I, the fish wrap is so good um, but yeah so that we'll will talk be about right, that yeah, next week, week. alright cool alright well thanks so much for listening I appreciate it or mm-hmm. we both appreciate it um, thanks again to the band Teddy's Atlas for the use of our theme song Horror Movie Story by Teddy's Atlas. Uh, you can find it off the album Children of the Corn. They're good Canadian boys, and they have a wonderful Facebook profile picture, so make sure to look that up. Um, they're great. Appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>